Open Dreams is, is a platform for young people who come together to think big. It's a platform for young people who come together to drive the change. If you join Open Dreams, then that is the, 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 best, the best opportunity, that, the best pathway that you're choosing. Thank you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Open Dreams podcast. My name is Abongdo Malian Taitus, and I'm Open Dreams Scholar, and I am your host. Uh, the Open Dreams podcast, just to give a brief recap, is a collaborative series that brings together industry leaders from different domains, uh, which could include leadership, includes business, includes engineering, includes medicine, and even all the way to political influence and, and, and politics. And uh, we sustain discussions with these leaders to ultimately educate, to to inspire and, um, you know, to lead a generation uh, of change makers. And on today's podcast, we have uh, with us Sir Mickey Gilbert. Let me give you a bit of an introduction about him. He's going to do more. Uh, Sir Mickey Gilbert is one of the most influential uh, mentors at Open Dreams. Uh, having been with the for a very long time, he has a very powerful vision for the community and he has been propelling that true community vision group. Uh, where he's the, the the founding president, and today we are so excited to have him on the podcast. Welcome, sir. Thank you, Titles, and thanks for having me for today's podcast. Great. So, uh, for the for the listeners who are with us right now, they may not know you. So, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, give us a bit of introduction, a bit of background, and uh, some of the work that you are are doing. Yes, thank you very much again. Um, I am uh, Gilbert Mickey. Um, first of all, uh, a, common, a, a Commonwealth scholar, a current Commonwealth PhD scholar. And uh, prior to picking up the Commonwealth scholarship uh, through the Open Dreams nomination, I have been a Chivening scholar in 2012. Um, and so far, my my affinity for community development uh, this back as uh, far 1995 the deep interest in, in activities what is going on in my community uh, maybe just just getting disturbed growing up and seeing those those challenges that young children are facing and uh, I think that has been the source of the inspiration and I will say this ushered me to the development space we have been able to, to serve with communities in different capacities with different international organizations, including uh, the German International Corporation, uh, Plan International uh, Pan-African Institute, uh, the US-based organization involved in school feeding programs. And so that is me a little bit in terms of uh, the uh, my professional life. Academically, I hold a Bachelor of Education uh, from the University of Boya. Um, a postgraduate diploma in development management and governance from the Pan-African Institute for Development. And I hold a master's degree from the University of Sheffield in the UK. And I'm currently a PhD student at uh, the University of Reading, UK. Thank you very much for, for that comprehensive introduction there, sir. Um, you, you have quite some experience and expertise under your sleeves. And, you know, being at Open Dreams for a few years now, one of the names that we have always been hearing um, is is uh, Mickey Gilbert and and the work that he's doing over there at community community vision group, and um, you joined Open Dreams or you're part of the Open Dreams network in its in its quite early days, and you you witnessed the Open Dreams network really bloom into into what it is today. So tell us some of 
uh, how you, you engage basically with the Open Dreams Network in its, in its early days and how your interaction with the Open Dreams Network and the Open Dreams community has not only fostered but propagated your, your academic and professional um, life so far. Yes, indeed. Uh, I engaged with uh, the Open Dreams community quite early and uh, it, was, it was more of a, a coincidence um, that I, I, had, I had this uh, contact with uh, one of the co-founders of um, Open Dreams, uh, uh, Mr. Akaba James. And uh, it came at a point in time when uh, I was actually burning with a passion to, to fully flesh out what was in me in terms of the vision for the community and how that can be translated into reality. And so uh, coming in contact with this change maker who is uh, the, the brain behind the open dreams, um, uh, he gave me that opportunity to be able to begin contributing, uh, mentoring young, uh, young people who are uh, signing up for pre-scholarship pre, pre uh, opportunities uh, preparing them uh, on how to prepare, write up their essays and apply for scholarships. And so those early days are really quite memorable. And since then, um, they say you, 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 can't, you can't get interest for investment without you first of all showing the interest that you can invest. And so spending some time with Open Dreams, building up these young people, uh, I had the opportunity to get nominated by Open Dreams uh, to get on for the PH, Commonwealth PhD scholarship. And since then, I can say my journey with Open Dream has been so uh, fascinating uh, because I keep on doing what I love to do, uh, mentoring young people, giving back to the community. And that is essentially what Open Dreams is all about. Right. Um, have, having people who, who are willing and able to effect the changes in their communities mm -hmm. to make their communities better than what they made before. So it, there's something I mentioned which I really want to hammer down on, uh, which is that you had some passion for giving back to the community, which was one of the leading reasons why you joined Open Dreams. And as, as an Open Dreams scholar, I, I think that one thing that we all have in common uh, and one thing that most people of the Open Dreams community do have in common is the desire, the burning desire, not only to give back to the community, uh, but to have a really positive influence which is what you're actually doing with community, community vision group, which is what we're going to delve into now. So um, recently, or not at least for me recently, I have been um, engaging with the work of community vision group on online and uh, through some of the communities and, and the networks that I find myself in. And I discovered that so many young people uh, within the Cameroonian youth space are being involved with community vision group and the activities uh, and some of the the, the campaigns that are, are being executed by, by the network. So can you just briefly tell us, uh, please, what, what Community Vision Group is all about and some of the core values that really support the work that you are doing? Thank you very much, Titus, for, for pinning it down to what Community Vision Group is all about uh, and what we're doing. Community Vision Group is a not-for-profit organization um, that uh, essentially seeks to contribute to a poverty-free society where children can live to their full potential. Mm -hmm. Children are a core to our existence. So uh, Community Vision Group envisions a transformed community through shared responsibility. Mm -hmm. We are an organization that is registered um, in the UK uh, where we have the headquarters. We have operating offices in Cameroon and in Malawi. Mm -hmm. So open, uh, uh, Community Vision Group 
started up in 2021 and within the space of uh, less than two years or so we we are already just so uh, our program the breadth of our program is so so um, amazing uh, we've grown so far so so fast and uh, I, I would love to mention here that community vision group is powered by volunteers is powered by people who see the need to move the community from one level to the other. Right. And as we speak, community vision group started with just five volunteers, five young people within Open Dreams who saw the need to join hands to be able to make a difference in the community. And today we have over 200 volunteers in Cameroon. Right. We have over 50 volunteers in Malawi, mm -hmm. all of them affecting changes in different domains. Uh, permit me to talk a little bit about the different activities, the, the key interventions that we, we carry on within Open Dreams, mm -hmm. Open, uh, sorry, within Community Vision Group. Um, I, I would love to begin by the core intervention that we started off with, uh, which is uh, Hepatitis B campaign program. And so this program is so dear to me because uh, it came at a point in time where I lost two very close friends. Uh, from this disease. And uh, we only realized that they didn't know that they actually live with this disease mm -hmm. until the, when at the point where they, they had to give up. Uh, the That's goal. unfortunate. Yeah, so uh, I had to take up this challenge, did a few samples. And I realized that uh, out of every 10 young people that we interviewed, eight or nine of them did not even know anything about hepatitis. Eight or nine of them never knew, ne never had, uh, a knowledge of their status and so we took it we took upon ourselves to say we, we need to be champions for change in the community in this domain and uh, last year our campaign through the work of the volunteers we emerged among the six global winners of the hepatitis advocacy campaign mm -hmm. and this year 2022 uh, we came out the first uh, 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 in finding the missing millions, uh, which is people who are living with hepatitis and they don't know that they have hepatitis. Mm -hmm. And so the volunteers on ground were very rigorous, rigorous enough to, to engage in campaigns, to push people to the hospitals, to get tested, mm -hmm. uh, to know their status. And so that is what we call we, 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 uh, the Hepatitis B Foundation in the United States of America referred to as finding the missing million. And in 2022, we emerged uh, as the global winner uh, uh, in, this, in, this, in this campaign. So within the space of uh, one year plus, we have been able to back home two global uh, awards. Wow, that, that is uh, such amazing work there, sir. And talking about hepatitis B, uh, yeah, I, I do think that it's one of those, um, those diseases, if I can call it that, which is not very mainstream. And because of that, people actually suffer from it and people even find their demise from it more than some of the mainstream illnesses like HIV and AIDS and, exactly. and, and, and these other diseases. So like what, what actually makes um, hepatitis B very dangerous and quite different from other infections, if you can give us some information on that as well? I want to start by giving a disclaimer that I'm not a medical doctor myself, but um, I work very closely with a group of medical doctors who have organized. Is getting into this area with a lot of passion. I will tell you that hepatitis uh, within the African continent 
is less known by the population. Many people live with it without knowing. And it is more dangerous to live in ignorance than have the knowledge that you have a problem. True. So many people get, uh, uh, get uh, uh, affected or infected by, by, this, by this virus, uh, viral hepatitis, without knowing. Some of them even get it from, from birth. That's from mother to child transmission. And some of them get, get, get it from maybe contaminated uh, 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 equipment and so on. But the bottom line is many people live with it without knowing because you never know that you have it until it begins to affect your liver. Mm -hmm. And so the danger in it comes first from the aspect of ignorance that people don't know. And the, 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 the whole thing comes to, to, to cash up with people when they are on their dying bed. And that makes it very dangerous. And so uh, that is the more reason why we need people to come on board to have this knowledge about hepatitis, know how to prevent it. If you're already living with it, how do you live with it? And how, what kind of support can you access to stay healthy? Once more, thank you for you know, coming, coming up with the Hepatitis B campaign. I think that that's something that is very relevant in African context. And uh, you're doing so much work in that area, which is, which is so applaudable. And, um, you are equally, this year, you have been working on the school feeding program, providing nutrition for, for, for pupils in schools. And um, some of the stories which were shared on, on the social media platforms like I followed, you know, showed quite some, some important statistics and equally highlighted that if the stomach is empty, then the brain cannot receive information, mm -hmm. which is absolutely mm -hmm. true. So, yeah, tell us some, of, some, um, some information about, you know, the school feeding program and how much um, progress you've recorded in that area as well. Thank you so much, Titus. Uh, school feeding program is actually at the heart, at the heart of it uh, for as far as community vision group is concerned. This is the core, the core intervention within community vision group. Why is it a core intervention? Because uh, this is actually an area of my, of my, of my expertise. That is my area of research um, for my PhD. I'm, I'm specializing in that. My research is conducted in the area of school feeding programs. Mm -hmm. And so you can see the reason why I'm so passionate about school feeding, because it is something, uh, uh, what you can say, uh, passion meeting professionalism. Mm -hmm. And so uh, school feeding program, uh, taking my myself back to when I was in the primary school, I could those of us at the level of primary school in the 1990s, we went to school without any hope of having food to eat. Sometimes we had to exchange our chalk, our pens, our books uh, in, food. In, in exchange of food uh, from, from those who, who had the food and we did not have food. So we would usually give our, our chalk and those guys would give us food. And then you also had a situation where you spend your time in the classroom only thinking about what you're going to eat, not really focusing on what the teacher is saying. And so having these childhood experiences, growing up with this mind, this mindset, and also having the opportunity to work with the US government program implementing school feeding programs in Cameroon uh, gave me the, the, the motivation, the leverage to get into a proper research program. And like a, a PhD candidate, I pledge to myself that I don't just want to be a PhD candidate. I want to be the kind of PhD candidate that will be able to use my research to impact the community. That, that is the reason why in the middle of my PhD, 
uh, we started up this co-feeding program so that I can actually have a feel that my research, my study program is making a difference in the community. Now, coming back to really talk about what school feeding program is all about. School feeding programs are simply interventions that help to boost, to improve the educational and the nutritional status of children at their place of education. We believe that food can attract children to school. We believe that food can improve the nutritional status, override challenges associated to malnutrition, stunted growth, and, and, and maybe wasting in children. So we believe that with this program, it has this double effect that comes on children, but not only that titles. A school feeding program, the model in which we are implementing in Cameroon is called a homegrown school feeding model, which means we don't only feed the children, we also want that the food that we use in feeding the children should come from the communities where these children are living. Mm -hmm. And so this is coming to tell you that uh, as a result of this program, farmers do Farmers are seeing the program as a market. Mm -hmm. Farmers who used to produce their crops and they don't have a market and the crops maybe end up being wasted in the community, right. they now have a steady market. And so we are linking the farmers who are themselves the parents to these children to the schools we sell as a market. That is the magic behind the homegrown school feeding program that is promoted by Community Vision Group. Mm. And so it will be interesting to, to mention here that Globally, over 388 million children are accessing school feeding programs. But yet, this is not up to 50% of the total number of children that are enrolled over primary schools globally. And trickling this down to the level of Cameroon, Cameroon is still at a very embryonic coming in to introduce this initiative. Uh, World Food Program is already doing something in that direction. Counterpart International is doing something in that direction, but they are focused in the northern part of the country and in the eastern part of the country. Our own intervention with Community Vision Group is very unique because we are introducing it in the northwest and the southwest region just before these children to come back to school. Uh, it should be on record that as a result of the Anglophone uh, crisis, over 700... 750,000 children have lost access to education. And we believe that with school feeding program, we will be able to attract the student back to the classroom. We'll be able to, to motivate the student to study. And we do believe that this is the power of school feeding program that we are bringing on board. Thank you so much for that comprehensive and in-depth explanation there, sir. Um, one thing that I like about the homegrown school feeding program that you did mention is that it kind of is an approach that you one stone mm. to, to, to shoot two but rather you know enabling parents to use the school milieu or using educational institutions as a market while attracting the students again or the pupils to class to to, to schools uh to learn and providing the nutritional value which is necessary uh, not only for their healthy development but for equally um their academic growth as, as food is a very important exactly. part of, exactly. of nutrition which contributes to their, their minds you earlier mentioned that you have a team of over 200 volunteers here in cameroon and uh, quite a, of a cohort of volunteers equally in malawi and working with young people sometimes is quite challenging you know um with issues such as aligning them to a particular vision keeping them motivated to work on that vision and equally achieve results uh in a kind of orderly manner since young people can be quite energetic and sometimes uh, destructive themselves so how do you uh, what are some of the challenges that you face working with young people and how do you mitigate those challenges at the cvg 
Right. Thank you very much, uh, Titus, for a very important question. There is no venture without challenges. And those challenges are actually um, very important to come across because they are themselves lessons to be learned. And so uh, working with these volunteers, a cross-section of these volunteers and the number keeps growing every day um, is the first, the first thing is the, the volume of expectations that these volunteers come with. Some of them come with very big expectations. And when you, when they find that is the, the, the expectations are not forthcoming, uh, they are not coming the way they actually expected. Uh, the, the, what they want to achieve from it is not forthcoming the way they wanted. Uh, some of them actually retreat. Some of them actually uh, kind of fall out of the race. So uh, the, the, next, the next very uh, uh, common challenge that we have is the aspect that some volunteers are just very fascinated. Some young people are just very excited when they hear that there is a platform for someone to belong to do something. At first instance, they are just so excited, but when they get into it, they develop cold feet. Mm. And so you have to be the one running after them to say, where is this one? What is happening to you since you joined this platform? Are you really aware of why you are here? So you find some of them come in uh, when they get admitted into, into the platform as volunteers. Uh, despite going through the induction process, you hardly hear them contribute. You hardly hear them come, come on board to say, this is my own contribution. Um, I, would, I would take a very good uh, example uh, to say there are some volunteers that from the day they come into a platform and they introduce themselves, you only hear them the day that they are quitting because there are moments we just get up and we, we do operation, clean up the system. <laughs> we check at those who have not been very active, those who have not been doing anything to contribute to the very purpose of the organization, mm -hmm. and then we get them off the platform not to get it because we don't want them to contaminate the rest of the people. Then the final, the final challenge, which I would love to share with you is that some of them come and they don't know why they want to volunteer. So uh, this is coming very, very particular with young people that before you sign up for any form of volunteerism, come along with a circle to somebody. We want people who are going to come to say, I am a, a, a food technology student. I want to come and get practical skills on how school feeding programs are operating, how the value chain development is happening. Right, I am right. a medical student. I want to come and see practically how we can link up advocacy uh, uh, practice of screening mm -hmm. and testing people and advising people. We want to see young people with a package of objectives so that we as an organization, we can be... We, we can be in the position to say why this, this volunteer is giving us this. This is what we are also giving to this volunteer because we want volunteers that are going to grow because their growth is our own growth. And so it's a big challenge when you have a cross-section of volunteers just moving along the street when they hear that there is something on the left, they go to the left. When they hear that some, there is something on the right, they go to the right. They don't have an objective. They don't have a vision. They don't have a, a kind of a life purpose that they want to pursue and how any organization can be fitting into that purpose. And so it's a whole big problem, a big challenge that I can share with you. Um, how I have managed to mitigate that, it will be important to let you know that out of the 200 volunteers in Cameroon, the over 200 volunteers in Cameroon, 
not up to 10% have had the privilege to meet me in person or the, to know me personally. So we have just been able to relate through the work that I'm doing. So this is the cross-section of them don't, don't know me, but I'm happy that through Community Vision Group, we are building a family as if we have existed together before. And so what I'm doing is to maintain some degree of discipline. Uh, community Vision Group volunteers have a cluster that, in, that is in charge of school feeding program, cluster that is in charge of viral hepatitis B campaign programs. You have a cluster that is in charge of media and communication. You have another cluster that is in charge of partnership and outreach as well as uh, knowledge production. This is to make sure that I compartmentalize the volunteers. I know who is who. When you come in, we tell you these are the different clusters. Where do you want to belong? Choose an area that you are going to be most productive and you can effectively contribute and make a difference. And so it is easier for me to know who is active and who is not active if I go to the clusters. But if I go to the main platform where I have the volunteers all together, it's difficult to know who is active and who is not active. So the first strategy we have put in place is to compartmentalize them, to divide them up into clusters and make sure that every cluster has three leaders. So these leaders are responsible to give a track record of who is absent, who is active, who is not active. And we make sure that these different clusters have every, they have their job descriptions. They know exactly what they are supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. And from time to time, we have to fall back to say, hey, what are you doing? It's been long, we've not seen this activity. What is happening? So right. we are able to, to keep them, to keep check on them and be able to make sure that at every one point in time, they are active. The other strategy we have put in place is to make sure that we, we also spotlight some of these volunteers. At the end of every year, we started this initiative last year. Um, at the end of the year, we vote the best volunteers per cluster and we have the best volunteers overall within community vision group. And mm -hmm. so we, we don't only end by pronouncing them the best volunteers, it, it is accompanied by a cash prize and we also offer them an attestation to show that they, are, they have emerged victorious as the best volunteers of the year. And so this, this strategy is keeping them really, really motivated. And um, the last strategy, the last technique uh, uh, that I'm putting in place, which sometimes is very hard, but I, I'm teaching the volunteers something which they have to carry along throughout their life, wherever they go, that you only reward the person who works. If you do not work, you don't have to, you have, don't have to get rewarded. Um, I would take, for instance, some of them who join and maybe they want to get uh, a recommendation to carry on with a, an application for a scholarship program, or they want to get uh, uh, something out of the country and they need a recommendation letter. The first thing we can, we ask you, uh, what exactly have been your role within Community Vision Group? Because I should recommend somebody I know. I shouldn't just recommend somebody who is present in the platform as a volunteer, but not doing anything. So it will be surprising that we, we had to discipline one, one volunteer who since she was admitted in the platform, she has never said good morning in the platform. 
and just came to say, I am applying for this scholarship. I kept you as a referee and uh, I, I just want to I say, no, you get back to the dashboard. I don't know what I can say about you. Not because uh, in good, in fairness, it's not because I'm wicked to that, to that candidate, but just to let you know that if you want something out of something, you need to put in something right. because I should be able to say titles, join community vision group in 2022 and because of titles they work very hard and we're able to achieve this we're able to do this we're able to reach up to 10,000 people mm -hmm. titles participated in the radio campaign program you can find the link on this point i'm i'm giving directives and i'm, I'm able to talk about you confidently <laughs> but if you don't get me to that point where i should have statistics i should have something concrete like an evidence to talk about you, I, I, there is no way. So we use some of these critical examples, some case studies that we have been able to discipline within the volunteers to get the rest of the volunteers working. Mm -hmm. And I'm really, really proud with the, with the rate at which all the volunteers are working uh, now, not just giving in what we, we think uh, is needed in terms of their knowledge and skills, but titles, it will shock you that since we launched the school feeding program, in, in July 2022, um, I gave uh, a report last, uh, last night back to the volunteers that between July 2022 to August 31st, we have been able to raise 966,850 francs for the school feeding program. And I will tell you, this mobilization has been done by volunteers. Some of these donations have been done by these volunteers. This is the, the heart that I want to see in young people, learning to give back, learning to, to, to fund their own development, level, learning to lead the change they want in, this, in their society. Yeah. In all honesty, I, I think that the work that uh, is being done at CVG is, is more than just you know, school feeding program or, or the sensitization on, on hepatitis B. I think it's more of an inclusive and really proficient mentorship program for young people who not only want to give back to exactly. their families, but who also want to build a certain level of competence that they can, you know, apply in our communities, such as leadership, which is a very essential life skill. And uh, the, the, whole, exactly. the whole strategy of breaking down the, such a complex, you know, group and initiative into, into several units, which can be managed by different persons and reports are given um, often is, is, is such a genius strategy. And yeah, yeah I, I think that most of us should, apply those in our initiatives if we have some of those coming up so one of the traditions that we always have at the open dreams podcast towards every end uh is that we ask our, our hosts to give us some words of general advice you as a mentor at the open dreams community and within the open dreams network not only have a profile of experience and and competence under your sleeve but you also have you know practical um archives of working with young people and, and mentoring them over the years uh, even at this level so for the audience who is listening right now you may not know exactly who it is uh, or what their life direction and path is uh, but would love you to just give some words of advice to the listeners now yeah um thank you very much i, I would definitely begin by saying that uh, young people need to need to think big young people need to dream big young people need to see beyond their present and that young people should become increasingly uncomfortable with the status quo, uh, their current situation. Mm. And what is very important for this generation to understand is that nothing can change around you until you change from within you. Mm. 
my very, 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 uh, very important uh, aspect I love telling young people is that don't put your eyes on the money first. Mm -hmm. Do not put your eyes on the money. Money follows ideas. And so when you, when you have an idea, put it into action. We, we have a lot of people who are talking. We have a lot of people who are fantasizing. But the world is not looking for the people who are talking. The world is looking for people who are doing. And so I invite every young person, get to doing something. No matter how small, you must begin somewhere. And when you begin, you will be, you will be on the spotlight. You will be able to, to drive what you are doing at the micro level to, to surface at the, at the macro stage. So um, I would say, let young people belong let young people open dreams is is like an uh, acumen for for it's a, it's a platform for young people who come together to think big it's a platform for young people who come together to drive the change if you join open dreams or join any related network that is able to empower you to bring you to the spotlight then that is the the, the, the best the best opportunity that the best pathway that you are choosing thank you to be, to be very honest, I don't think I can add or reduce anything from what you said, from what you've, you've said. Um, but thank you so much for joining us on the, on the Open Dreams podcast episode of today. It was an absolute pleasure discussing with you, learning from you, and uh, getting to see some of the insights of the work that you're doing at CVG and how it's influencing not only um, the Cameroonian community, but equally the Open Dreams community and that of Young Dreamers. Thank you so much, Samiji Gibet, and uh, have a wonderful day. Thank you, Titus, and thanks for having me. Of dreams, open dreams, the best place to be. For action, a watch word, we will find some we will make it big. Here at Open Dreams, open dreams, the best place of dreams, open dreams, the best place to be. Change, change, the sun. People come.